0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Journey to the Rise. In today's episode, we talk with Ed Fox, a successful businessman who is not afraid to take a risk or face a challenge. Ed was born and raised in Australia and his business sense started when he was very young. At 15, he started his own business and rapidly grew it into a six-figure endeavor. Being a young entrepreneur led him down different paths and various challenges. But he always believed in himself and what could be possible. He also shares a success he experienced in his personal life when he met his wife who he says is the most amazing person in his life. It is a super fun story that I had asked him in advance if he would share as it is her tenacity and sass that grabbed his attention and led them to a lifelong partnership. Ed relocated to the States to be with his wife, and he goes into the challenges that he faced and the various barriers that he experienced with the English language. Even though his native language is English, there are words in the US that we use that can be confusing to someone who comes from another country. This episode brings you a lively conversation, so let's get started. Please welcome Ed Fox. If you want to feel inspired by someone who is just super positive, uplifting, and very successful as an entrepreneur, this is your guy. I don't know how he even has time to breathe with all that he does with business and all his podcasts, and I can't just wait to dive in. Thank you, Ed, so much for being
1: here today. creature, thanks for having me. And of you know course. what? Um, I'll try and live up to what you just said. <laughs> I think you will more than
0: live up to it. You are absolutely amazing. And I just want to like dive right in. Where did you grow up?
1: I was born and raised in the deep South. Yep. (laughs) Southern hemisphere. So, uh, I'm an Aussie, uh, Aussie by uh, birth, American by choice. Okay. That's what I like to say. Um, uh, Born and raised in Australia, met an American girl when I was 22, 1989, 21, something like that, and then moved over to Wichita, Kansas in 1990 and got married and have lived there for 31 years, and then just recently moved to Bowling Green for a year and then got to move into Franklin, Tennessee, and so we're living in Franklin and loving every minute of it nice but i tell people what, i'm I, I grew up in australia but i got here as quick as i could because i wanted to learn how to say g'day y'all <laughs>
0: right <laughs> we all should be saying g'day y'all i like the, the flow of that i i might be picking it up <laughs> There you go. what was it like growing up in australia
1: oh you know everybody thinks you got a kangaroo as a pet and you know the spiders are the size of your head and I never saw a spider the size of my head until I got on Facebook in America. That supposedly was from Australia. I don't know, but I have seen spiders the size of my hand. They're like uh, friendly spiders. They're like huntsmen that eat the bugs. They don't. They're not poisonous. Um, of course, I don't want one crawling on my face. But <laughs> uh, so growing up in Australia, I mean. The biggest thing about Australia that I find different than America is Americans work too dang hard. It's like you're on a stationary bike pedaling harder and harder and harder, trying to go somewhere. And then you stop and take a minute like what COVID allowed us to do. And we look at the bike and go, this ain't the vehicle that's going to get me where I need to go. So I I don't know if that analogy makes sense, but Australians are kind of like laid back and casual. They'll work hard briefly. They'll work hard briefly for a lot of years, but they'll also take the time to have a break and enjoy it. And, you know, so that's been the biggest transition for me, but I I love working. I I mean, that sounds weird. I'm I'm lazy and I I was born lazy and recently had a relapse. My wife hates it when I say that. Uh, But uh, but I I like working hard at helping others because then it's not work, right? If you enjoy what you do, you don't work a day in your life. Like you and I could do a podcast every day and that would never bother us. It could be an eight hour podcast like we would just have fun talking to people and learning from people and and just learning new things. Um, So that's what I like to do. So I, I, I love America. I love I love Tennessee. I love Kansas. I love Kentucky. I'd probably prefer to be in this area than on the coasts, but, you know, to each their own.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. I think Americans do have that. We must work, 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 work. I was just talking to someone a few days ago about how people work their, their lives until they're 65 and the average age of death is 78. Like they don't leave much time to, and by the time you are 65, you're so broken and tired. (laughs) It's hard to really enjoy the last few. So yeah, I completely under understand that. Um, What kind of kid were you? Like, were you out playing? You said you didn't have a kangaroo, so we squashed that that uh, idea. But yeah, were you were you more of an indoor cat or you an outdoor cat? I wasn't a cat guy. I like I
1: like I wasn't a cat guy until I got I got a cat in. We needed a barn cat because we brought fifteen acres. Pardon me, I don't know where that's coming from. And uh, this cat is more like a cat dog. Uh, when I walk across the property, the cat follows me, whereas the dog just lays on the porch going, nah, couldn't be bothered. So I was more like that dog. I was like a couldn't be bothered dog. Um, so I, my favourite day in Australia growing up as a kid was lying on my bed reading books. Oh, go outside and play. Mom, mum, I have no one to play with. And I don't want to go outside and play. I want to read a book. Yeah. So that was that was kind of my, um, my choice. Given the choice, I would rather read books or watch television or go to movies than necessarily play or do physical activities. Although, if you gave me a cricket bat and a cricket ball and we could play a game of cricket... I would play cricket all day long as long as I had people to play with. So that was my sport of choice, although I played a bit of rugby, I'm a big guy so rugby worked for me too, uh, but I always preferred the chess-like strategies of a, of a cricket match as opposed to um, some of the other sports like tennis or swimming. You know, Australians get a really good reputation for for swimming, you know, look at the Olympics, the Aussies are always in there, in the mix, in the in the uh, medals. and tennis they're pretty bloody good as well so uh, but those those for me give me a game of cricket i'm all there how old were
0: you when you started playing cricket
1: oh seven you know we'd play we'd play in the backyard we'd play sort of like sandlot uh baseball right just you know you just need a stick and a few bases to play well cricket's the same thing you just need a tennis ball and plank of wood off the back fence so you can use it as a bat because a cricket bat is is flat and wide so I uh, started playing at seven and then moved over here, bought a piece of property in 2003 and built my own private cricket field and hosted about, I think, 10, 15 years of games. My son yeah. went on to play for the U.S. under-15, 19 teams, uh, traveled the world doing that, and then went to work for ESPN as a cricket editor. So I've lived vicariously through his cricket uh, career, yeah. um, and we still play. In fact, we, uh, this, uh, this July... Uh, end of june early july australia is playing england in the home of cricket. So i think of like yankee stadium for cricket in england and so we're going to go over and watch that game over there that's something that we've always wanted to do and we just decided that this is the year to do it so nice it'll be fun to go together and do that
0: yeah that'll be amazing i love that now you started pretty early as an entrepreneur now if i remember correctly uh you started business with like 80 bucks. How old were you, and can you share that experience with us?
1: So, okay, so it, I did. I left school at 15 in Australia at the time. You could leave school at 14 and nine months if you had a job to go to. And I said to my dad, I said, Oh, dad, I'll come work for you. He says, You wouldn't work in an iron lung. I had no idea what an iron lung was. I was thinking like an Iron Maiden, like a torture device, you know, not <laughs> one of those like ones that help you breathe, right? So I didn't know what an iron lung was. But as a 15 year old, I thought I knew it all, right? And I said, okay, well fine, I'll start my own business. He's like, it's going to take money to start a business. How much do you have? I said, I've got 80 bucks. He said, rolled his eyes, mum rolled her eyes. I said, okay, fine, I'll show you guys. So I went and talked to this lady who had had a convenience store and her husband had passed and she lived lived on a property on the back and the shop was still there. and so uh, I asked her if I could rent it. She goes, you're a bit young. I said, oh, i got a plan. She goes, okay, come on in, have a glass of milk, have a biscuit, which you guys call a cookie. And and uh, we talked about my plan of how I'm gonna get the milkman. He's gonna put milk in on consignment and we're gonna get the baker and put bread on consignment and I'm gonna sell it. And anyway, uh, first year I did $100,000. What? 1983. $100,000 in 1983 meant something. Um, but you know, I, I like to think you know, I put my hands on my chest and say, "Oh, I did do it myself." I didn't. I every every vendor was an old guy or an older lady, and they all wanted to support this young kid. They all wanted to see him succeed, even in spite of himself, because he was an idiot and he didn't like really working hard, and and he didn't really know what to do. Uh, but mum and mum and dad helped. I thought they didn't help, but they helped immensely. And so anyway, we grew it to a hundred thousand. And I didn't know how to do taxes. I didn't know how to do any of that. And mom and dad came in and said, look, let us help you. And I'm like, 60, 40. And I got the look. <laughs> I said, okay, 50. All right. And so the next year it was 300,000. Oh, yeah. So Edward was holding it back, not growing it forward. But anyway, we built it up to 300,000. Then I got the idea uh, of putting in video movie rentals. This is 1985, 1986, still fighting with beta and VHS cassettes. And dad had a friend that was uh, debt free, had his own house, was looking to invest. And I talked him into spending $20,000 on video movies and uh, video cassettes. And we did those and we would rent them out until midnight. So we were the only shop open. And so I worked that because they didn't want to work late. And so after five years, we'd built up to like half a million dollars in volume a year, but we were burnt out. And so (laughs) I moved north to Brisbane, they moved south to Sydney and we sold the shop. But yeah, so that was an exciting journey to go from nothing to $100,000 by myself, you know, quote, air quotation marks there, because you realize that you don't do anything by yourself. You've got, you've got a cast of characters behind you, helping you, pushing you, encouraging you. Um, but, you know, I still I still took the jump. That's really what I'm most proud of, is a lot of people want to start a business and just never get it done. A lot of people want to start a podcast Lucretia, never get it done, right? And so you're taking that step too. So that's exciting for me. Always been a big supporter of people that get off their butt and go do something.
0: I absolutely love that. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have more from our guest, Ed Fox. And he goes into why at times you should be timid when it comes to business and investing. The goal for any business is to grow and reach a new level. Get there faster by being an authority in your industry with a video docu-series. Using video, you can showcase you, your business, your staff, products, services, and your why. Building relationships is key and a high-quality video can give existing and potential clients a way to get to know you. It also allows you to build a connection that results in increased sales. If you would like to know more about how you can enhance your business with video, please go to girlbossproductions.com today. Welcome back to Journey to the Rise. We continue our conversation with Ed and we talk about how he got started with TradeBank and the benefits it brings to business owners how did you talk someone who's selling milk to do consignment like how did that conversation go over were they like yeah absolutely right. you, you, we we'll hop on with consignment
1: right so it was really funny because uh, his name was uh, r a lean l-e-a-n and he was lean he was uh, to me as a 15 year old he looked like he was 120 so i don't know he could have been 45 who knows you know but uh, but he was he was older he was bald like the air hair tufts on the sides and he could carry a milk crate and you'd see those muscles bulge you know i it wasn't a guy i was going to mess with or rip off either so i said oh mr lean mr lean i'm going to open a shop would you put milk in there he says well edward and patted me on the head you know i'm 15 but he pats me on the head and he says um, your dad was always, your mum and dad are always bouncing checks. I said, yeah, well, dad's been sick. You know, it's hard to pay a big milk bill. There's five of us. We, you know, drink and eat and, and eat a lot, of, drink a lot of milk, eat a lot of cereal. He says, yeah, I know, I know. He says, I don't mind. You guys always catch up. But he says, I can do that with two liters of milk a day, but I can't do that with a hundred liters of milk a day. I said, oh, that makes sense. I said, well, what about this? I got the fridge from the bottling, the Pepsi company. They said, I can put milk in the bottom there. I said, what if you put the milk in on Monday? I sell whatever I sell on Monday. The money's in the till and I pay you that in cash on Tuesday. So I felt like the Popeye Wimpy's burger, you know, when he says, I'll gladly pay you for a hamburger. Uh, If I can get a hamburger today, I'll gladly pay you on Thursday, right? And uh, he said, okay, let's try that. And so for the first 90 days, I paid for the milk that I sold every day. And, that's, and he said, oh, this is working out pretty well. I'm happy with this. He says, would you like me to get you the bread guy? And then he got me the orange juice guy, and he got me the lollies, uh, candy, like the single, used to be able to make a bag of candy for kids, you know, and we call them lollies. And so you do a 20 cent bag, a 10 cent bag, a 50 cent bag, and they put it all in on consignment. The only guys that wouldn't deal with me, Coca-Cola coca-cola wanted cash up front and guess so guess what drinks we didn't have in our shop no coca-cola so i became a pepsi guy um so that changed when i had some money coming in we had to have coke because you know half the audience wants coke half the half the customer base wants coke half of it wants pepsi so but yeah so it was just a matter of having a conversation if you can if you can bring two people together and have a conversation where it benefits both of them and, and make a deal that works out, then it's going to happen. And that, that's what happened.
0: That's amazing. absolutely love that. And I love that he was willing to support you and give it a shot and then realize it was being successful and bring others in to go into the same system to help you continue to grow and succeed.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. It, it, without that sort of support and, and, and willingness to take a risk, I, th- I find sometimes people are too risk adverse, and sometimes we've just got to put ourselves out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you sell the shop. You said you went to Brisbane. Uh, what was next for you after that endeavor?
1: Well, in Brisbane, I was working uh, duty-free. Oh, before I went to Brisbane, I actually got involved in a multi-level called Amway and had been one of the most, the youngest, most successful builders of Amway in our organization in my part of the country and put like 800 people in my downline in the first four months. And I was a guy that didn't like to stand up in front of people and talk. I know that's hard to believe now, but back (laughs) in the day, I was the kid in eighth grade that hid in the library because I couldn't talk to anybody. My best friend was a librarian. So she let me hide out there during recess and lunch and stuff. But again, I, I like reading books. Like I would devour virtually any type of book. Uh, and I read at a lot higher level than my age group. So, you know, as a as an eighth grader, I'm reading Alistair MacLean and John Licari, or however you say that, and, and Ian Fleming. And, you know, I'm reading all of this stuff and, and having a blast. There was no Harry Potter back in the day, although we had, you know, we had Lord of the Rings, but I couldn't get into it. So anyway, so, uh, so I, I build an Amway business. I, I like starting to help people and talk to people and, and, and read books. And so now I'm getting educated. Even though I'm not in school, I'm getting a great education through the books, the functions, the audio tapes. And then I moved to Brisbane because I, I figured there's more opportunity than a little country town with 20,000 people. And I start working at a duty-free store. And so now I'm meeting people all over the, from all over the world. And this girl comes in and she walks up to me and she's five foot nothing. And she says, you've spent so long flirting with those two Kiwi girls that I think you made me miss my bus for dinner. And even if you didn't, you should take me out. I look to the left. I look to the right. And I say, well, I've heard of pushy American women. Now I've met one. I said, why me? I might sound like but I sure don't look like him. She goes, now you're funny. I said, funny, peculiar or funny. Ha ha. She said, yes. I said, "Okay, I'll take you out. Well, that's turned into a 32 year odyssey. We've been married uh, since 1990 uh, and we met and uh, we went out a couple of nights later uh, on July 28th, 1989. She flew home the next morning. After that, we we went all over town. I've got her out to all hours. We're sitting in this old IHOP that's in a church and we're talking. She's eating food off my plate, which you normally don't get on a first date. Right. I said, okay. I said, uh, She goes, oh, can I have one of your fries? I said, they're not fries. They're hot chips. I said, you're in in Australia, not America. Uh, And she reached over. I said, hang on. Like, what's the deal here? She goes, well, they look good. Okay, fine. So I'm used to the date that pushes the chicken salad around for half an hour, eats two bites. And I'm like, this is a Kansas woman. This Kansas woman, she demolished her plate of food. Doesn't make her sound good, but she it, it was great to have somebody that could actually sit and eat and have a conversation and they weren't too worried about whatever, you know, oh, do I have a piece of lettuce stuck in my teeth or something? And so anyway, so we had a great conversation. We talked about what we would want if we were interested in a mate or getting married. She says, oh, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have kids. I'm just going to work. She just graduated KU as a pharmacist. And I said, oh, well, I'm, I'm just going to build businesses. I, I like helping people and building businesses. Little did we know three kids later and a marriage of 32 years and multiple houses and multiple businesses. And so, yeah, so that's what happened for me in Brisbane. And then, and then in, uh, that was July of 89. uh, I came over to Wichita in October of 89 at the end of that month in October, we decided to get engaged. And, uh, that's an interesting story for another time. And then, um, went back home, got all the paperwork done, did everything. And we got married in, I uh, came back in January of 90. We got married in February of
0: 90. Wow. Here she is. How's it come the background?
1: It doesn't work with the background on this.
0: <laughs> See, she's even into your background. She knows. <laughs> so what was the transition, she knows, she knows. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What What was the transition like for you from going from Australia, the life that you knew, to the United States?
1: The first year, so I say we've been married. I've, I've, we've been, we've had a great marriage for, uh, for I've had a great marriage for thirty-one amazing years. The first year, I must have been the worst husband on the planet. So, nineteen ninety. There's no internet. There's phone calls are a buck 50 a minute back home mum's always crying every time i call and i forget to call you know we forget to call our parents folks get on the phone after this just stop the podcast get on the phone call your mum tell her you love her and if you don't have a mum call your aunt call call a friend just tell them you love him because we forget to do that my wife was very good she would say hey you haven't called your mum in a while yeah 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 i know i'll get to it another month goes by we forget. We forget how busy we get now. Our kids have moved out the house. I'm like, why don't they ever call? They only call when they want money, you know. So, uh, so the transition for me was really difficult. The f- none of the food was familiar. The driving wasn't familiar. The the um, the customs, the way we did things, were different. You know, uh, the biggest thing for me, I'd go to church and they'd say, oh, we should do lunch sometime, and I said, okay, I'll wait for your call i was waiting a long bloody time <laughs> for somebody to call me so i started carrying a little pocket calendar and we'd be at church or i'd be out and i'd meet somebody and say oh we should do lunch i said okay let's look up when they're like oh well, well look i'd have to go look at my calendar and finally i go home dejected and i tell my wife i'm like everybody says they want to do lunch with me but nobody actually wants to do lunch with me do i not use the right deodorant or what you know and- <laughs> No, what they're saying is that hey, they they enjoy you as a person. They'd like to be around you, uh, and if you happen to be in the same restaurant at the same time and they're not busy and there's room for you to take a seat, that they would gladly invite you to lunch. It's not it's not it's nothing bad. I said no, nah. and once I got a you know once we went to smartphones. When was it? Two thousand four, two thousand seven, and you could have your calendar on your phone and you could like book appointment. That that helped me a lot. So it was just differences, the way we said things, the way we did things. I got in trouble at church one time. My kids are little and they're running around. I said, hey, you kids, stop mucking around. And the little old lady comes up to me and she says, you can't say that at church. I said, what? I said, we're in the Midwest. I said, don't you have stables? Don't you muck out stables? She goes, oh, I thought you said something else. <laughs> So you guys say messing around, or in Kansas they say stop messing around. Uh, Australians say stop mucking around. Like you, you know, we muck out stables too. We're all got horses, and 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 so so just words like that, word usage, and the way you said things, people would get confused. Alice and I, when we were planning the wedding, uh, I say we were planning the wedding when she was planning the wedding, and I just agreed to whatever she said. Uh, we're on the phone. She says oh uh she says i I, we don't really have money for a big spread why don't we just do mince and nuts i'm like mince like steak tartar she's like what i heard m-i-n-c-e like hamburger minced meat so she's saying m-i-n-t-s and i'm hearing m-i-n-c-e so i'm like steak tartar like raw meat she goes what are you talking about you I said, well, are you talking? And then I'm thinking, well, maybe like Fig Newtons, like fruit mints, like you mince up the fruit, put it in little tarts. I'm like, okay, oh, that sort of mints. Oh, you mean fruit mints? Well, of course, she heard that I understood fruit candy. So the language was a problem. It still is occasionally a problem. I I got up in front of a networking group a couple of weeks ago, and I said I wanted an introduction to a person that owned a car yard. (laughs) and i got a glaze they all had glazed over eyes and i said what did i say and they said car yard i said well what do you call it where you sell cars they go -er dealership i said no used cars they go oh that's a car lot i said oh well that makes sense there's a lot of cars and they said no (laughs) that's not what that means so you know the language can, can mess you up right and so that was the biggest thing for me was Just like I have friends that speak Spanish and go to Spain, well, uh, uh, Mexican Spanish is different than Spain's Spanish. American English is different to Australian English, is different to British English. My niece is over here from Australia right now and she's going to school and and she's writing everything, color, honor, all have O-U-R, right? And she's getting in trouble because the computer's telling her that, no, that's not the way we spell that. She spells mom, M-U-M, not M-O-M. Colonize or whatever the IZE and the ISC is different so so yeah, so language was the toughest part making sure I was understood:
0: Yeah, that would be a big, big challenge, big challenge. yeah, fun, absolutely. What do you miss about Australia besides the vegemite?
1: Not a bloody thing really uh, sorry. Uh, the food I, I mean the food I grew up on right I miss I miss an Australia that doesn't exist anymore. Right. Think about you. Grew, you grew up in uh, Wisconsin,
0: mm-hmm. Michigan, Wisconsin, Okay, Northwest so, Wisconsin,
1: Wisconsin. OK, so uh, does that make you a cheese head or something?
0: Is yeah, that Wisconsin? it does.
1: <laughs> okay. 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 See, I know some things I'm learning. It's only taken me. 30 years. But when you go home, you you left for a long time, right?
0: Mm hmm.
1: Yeah. Were you gone for 10 years or so more? Uh, I've been well, in Nashville
0: for at least 14. So, yeah, it's been a while. Okay.
1: Okay, but you've gone home to visit or haven't gone home to visit?
0: I uh, haven't been there in like five, six years.
1: Okay, see how I turned the tables on you and turned into the interviewer instead of the interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so Australia, when I go home to Australia, it's not the same place. The, the recipes for the food, the fish and chips are a bit different. The, all my favorite desserts are a bit different because now we have a lot more Asian influence and they're cooking it a different way and so you know you can't go back you can't go back but other than friends and family and it's kind of weird because i go back every like i try to visit every four five six years when covid's not in the mix but um and and you just see the kids you know you see them as a baby and then you see them as six-year-olds and then you see them as 12-year-olds and then they're adults you know and so it's 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 just difficult to go back, um, and and we grow differently. Uh, living in Tennessee or the free states of the Midwest, it, it gives you a lot different mindset than living in a very controlled environment like Australia is. Now, some Australians would say to me, "Australia's not that controlled." Oh, yes, it is. They don't know. It's sort of like a frog in a warm uh, in a, on on the stove in a bottle in a sourcement of water and the water's heating up they don't know that it's getting hotter they just they burn to death because they don't know how to jump out well australia to me is a bit like that and people say well edward that you that's just your conspiracy theory mindset or whatever i don't care i like being free i like i like uh you know having those freedoms that tennessee allows us to have that australia doesn't
0: yeah that would definitely Yeah, I I totally understand that, and and when you do go back, it is different, and it's not how you remember it, and things are different, and yeah, the the mindset is, you know, stuck here and there, so I totally, completely understand that. So, you're in Kansas, like, and you're adapting, but how did you end up in Bowling Green and and Tennessee area? Like, how did that transition for you? So,
1: so I've always, as we talked about, always been an entrepreneur. I, I... I talked yesterday to a group of people about timidity. Timidity is that the right to say? It? Being timid in starting a business, right? There is a time to be timid. Oh, if somebody comes to me and says, "Hey, Edward, um, we're we're getting a bunch of investors together and we're investing uh, twenty million dollars in a business," I'm like, "Ha! You got the wrong guy, dude. Like, I, I'm I can't scrape together a million. You know uh, without liquidating everything so you need to go talk to somebody else because i got no money um but i talked to them about the fact that when you build a business you have to look at that if 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 you're trying to start a business and it's going to take you four million dollars to start that's a business that you've got to be timid about and have all your i's dotted and all your t's crossed but if you're gonna jumpstart a business in your local area that's a pooper scooper, a dog walker, a copywriter, a, a window cleaner, those don't take a lot of expenses. Jump in and do it as your side hustle and see if it works. What do you got to lose? So don't be timid when it comes to starting a business, unless you've got so much on the line that if you put it all on the line and you lost it, uh, your life would have to start over which is okay because that happens too, right? We look at KFC and Colonel Sanders. He, he lost everything when the highway moved and the uh, his chicken restaurant had to close down. So he goes door to door selling the recipe. It uh, worked out okay. Worked out okay. So, um, so my point is when I got here, I was not timid about starting businesses. One of my favorites was there used to be did you have the thrifty nickel here, Lucretia, or, or some sort of trading? I don't, per- I don't so remember it's a, trading a thrifty nickel.
0: Post-
1: right. So we called it um, Penny Power in Wichita, and you could put a free classified ad in there. And so I would—I worked at Sears at the time, and I would buy all their returns and sell them through the Penny Power, and I made great money doing that. And it didn't really cost me anything. I'd buy—I'd buy four of the same camcorder uh that you know they they bought from Sears you know Sears was notorious at taking anything back and so people would buy it for graduation go record a video of their kid getting their diploma and then they'd bring it back to us and you'd mark it down 200 bucks and you'd flog it off so i would buy them at the 200 dollars off plus my employee discount i'd have four of them i'd go put in the penny power saying one barely used video camcorder Normally $900 on, you can have it for 600 I paid 400 for it. I have four of them, but then I know I've got four. So I call up, you still got that camcorder? Oh yeah, I got a couple of people looking at it, mate, but I can help you out. They would come and buy that camcorder. And so I made, my wife's like, what are you bringing home four camcorders for? What do you got 11 VCRs for? What do you got 14 TVs for? And I sold them all within like two nights of buying them um, and so I love doing that sort of stuff. And then I, uh, I bought Pokemon cards and I set up at the flea market and I sold a bunch of Pokemon cards. Uh, then I started doing tournaments. We made $100,000 a year doing Pokemon and Magic the Gathering tournaments.
0: What?
1: Uh, and that was a good run. We did that for – I'm sorry, IRS is listening. We made no money <laughs> whatsoever. Zero dollars. We made no dollars. We would drive down to Dallas, we would book out a hotel, we'd have a thousand kids show up. Uh, This happened every couple of years and they would drop 30 bucks, So that's $30,000. You'd have about 10,000 in cost, you'd walk away with 20,000. And you'd do four or five of those a year, or you'd do smaller ones where you made about 5,000 an event. Now, you spent most of it on doing cool stuff with your kids, you know, so like we, while we're down in Dallas, we go to Six Flags, we do that stuff, but you got bricks of cash you know, we were dealing, basically, we were dealing legal crack by dealing <laughs> Pokemon cards. And I, we called it, we called it uh, um, pokey Crack or something like that. Because you would sell a pack of Pokemon cards, they would build a deck, they would play. And then they'd come back, Mr. Mr. And that, and the person saying Mr. could be seven or 70. It didn't matter. We had the whole age group. I love doing that. And all my kids grew up playing those sort of trading card games and stuff. And so I've always fallen into these businesses that have made good money. Because once you take care of the customer and you give the customer a good experience, they love it, you know. And so so anyway, it's just a progression of considerably larger uh, businesses until uh, I bought bought six franchises of the Coffee News, which was a cheap uh, advertising franchise in Wichita. That led me to buy uh, a trade bank franchise in Wichita. We built that up to number two in the nation and so that takes us up to 2019 uh 2020 covid hits uh you know people think some people think it's the zombie apocalypse it's the end of the world whatever uh it's just another thing we're dealing with and so i try to help the nashville guy who owned trade bank understand how to use social media how to use the tools that were out there to do meetings like using zoom and and skype and that sort of stuff and he, he just it just wasn't for him he He wasn't a technological guy. Um, And so I ended up buying Trade Bank of Nashville at a very discounted price because the business had fallen off because of COVID. And so Trade Bank is a business-to-business barter exchange that is a a platform that we use an app for that allows businesses to barter their excess time or their excess product, or just to get new customers that they would never otherwise see, Um, because nobody likes to pay full price, right? So if you're a business owner and you've got bottles of water and I could swap bottles of water for hot dogs, would that be better if you're hungry and you want a hot dog and you give them a bottle of water? Would it be better to give them the bottle of water or would it be better to give them cash out of the pocket? The
0: bottle well, of the water. Well, the bottle of
1: water costs you 50 of water.: Right. So knowing your cost of goods sold as a business owner and trading either your time or your product for things you want without spending cash, Man, that saves you thousands. still got to declare it to the IRS. Still pay your taxes on it. Give the Caesar what it seizes. You know, pay your taxes on it. I'm not not, uh, suggesting that you should circumvent that. Uh, But this platform, this trade bank platform, helped my business grow when I was selling advertising. So I bought the franchises for Wichita, bought Nashville. My wife was working for Walgreens at the time. We got transferred to Bowling Green. They wouldn't transfer into Nashville. They said, I'll give us a year in Bowling Green. Well, they put her an hour north of Bowling Green. That was tough. So I'm driving I'm driving to the office in Goodlitzville, living in Bowling Green. She's living in Bowling Green with me, thankfully. And she's driving an hour north to Litchfield, Kentucky. And after a year of that, I said, this is for the birds. This is crazy. Like, we're not even heading in the same direction. And you know how busy 65 is. Um, like, one of us is going to cark it. That means, like, get run over or something, you know. And... Uh, and so she asked for a transfer. They say no. So she looks for other opportunities. God was amazing. We found a place down in Franklin. We signed the lease. She had left uh, Walgreens. And then uh, somebody from Kroger calls her and says, You know, you put in an application for Murphy Spur and Thompson Station, but we need somebody at the Franklin store. Would you be interested in interviewing for that? No. Thank way. you, God. Yeah, it's, it's funny when you open the door, when you let God open the doors and you're open to opportunity. Uh, If we're on the lookout, God will provide. Um, Not in our time, in his time. Okay, people forget that. Oh, God's put me through this for 20 years. Yeah, because you need to grow. I'm good at building a million-dollar business. I can build a million-dollar business. I can't build a $5 million business. I don't want to work that hard. Right? Right. I, I don't. I don't. I would rather help people and charge them nothing. No, I mean, I want to charge them millions, but no. I, I, give, I give away my services way too often um, because people matter more to me than money. Now, my wife probably wishes sometimes I could be more motivated by money, but I'm motivated by helping people. Um, you know, if I can cover the bills and, and live the life I want to live. But that, for us, I mean, takes 100000 150000 I remember the days I didn't have 2000 You know, I remember surviving on 50 bucks a month. You know, so it's not money. It's not money that motivates me. It's people. It's helping people. And so with this trade bank, here's a way that a small business can trade for services and things they need. I've got a hairdresser in Wichita and she got on trade bank and she's able to turn a cut and a color, which is about 200 bucks, 180, 200 bucks. She's able to turn that into things that her kids can do. Go play in arcades, go out to eat, go on vacations. And she's not taking cash out of her pocket to do it. She loves trade bank. And when I can help businesses understand that and do that, and the fact that there's barter networks all over the country that they don't even know exists, um, people don't consider barter as part of their way of generating revenue, but they should. You know, it's been around, you know, it was the first form of monetary exchange was barter. Um, And so it's still worthwhile looking at being piece of the puzzle. People say, oh, yeah, but, you know, my landlord needs cash. Well, yeah, then have enough cash customers. You want to make a lot of cash, but when you've got downtime, why not take trade? So that's so I got into that franchise and I'm building I'm building two franchises. of that one in Wichita, one in Nashville, always looking for help. Uh, I've decided to sell off some areas, actually, or partner with some people. So if you know anybody in, like, Rutherford County, Wilson, um, I, I would uh, – uh, what's what's the one that – Goodlettsville, Hendersonville, what are, what counties are those? There's Sumner, Whatever it is, anyway. Sumner,
0: Robertson.
1: Sumner. Right. So what I'm thinking of doing is if I've, – I've put up the money. If somebody else needs an opportunity, they can partner with me for a few grand and take 50% of all the revenue. Um, because two million people across Nashville is just too big. Well, I'm never going to get to Goodlettsville and Lebanon on a consistent basis. So I need somebody out there. I'm never going to get to Dixon on a consistent basis. I'm never going to get to, is it Cheatham County? On mm-hmm. a consistent basis. Me, it's going to be Williamson County and then maybe over towards Murfreesboro. Uh, and then down towards Columbia, Spring Hill, Thompson Station. And so, um, if there's people out there that li- that listen, end up listening to this podcast, and they are looking for an opportunity, but nobody will give them one, uh, then they should reach out. And
0: I think that's a big oh, reason oh, why oh, you're successful oh. is because you do put people first. No, go ahead.
1: I just, I just thought, you know. My kids, who said they were never going to have a business of their own, just decided to buy an ice cream shop up in Columbus, north of Columbus, Ohio. It's been around since 1954. It's, it's one you'd be familiar. It's that walk-up one. There's no seating. There's nothing. You just walk up during the summer, buy your ice cream cone, and go. And this, this place has been around since 1954. And so my kids are like, hey, Dad, you want to go Halvesies? Yeah, what's that mean? Oh, Dad, can co-sign the SBA loan? talk to your mother talk to your mother if she says yes i'm in well we just bought 50 percent of an ice cream shop
0: oh congratulations
1: uh, yeah and then and then i'm sitting in a barbecue restaurant up in goodlettsville and the barbecue's really really good actually i'm sitting at a table outside because they don't have inside seating and i asked the guy i said if you ever need a partner let me know because i love this i don't know how to cook it but i love it and i'll uh, i'll come in as your partner well, he hits me up. And so we just bought 49% of Jojo's barbecue in Goodlettsville.
0: Congratulations. That's amazing. So, yeah. So
1: I've got an ice cream shop, which I don't need as a diabetic. So that's great that it's so far away. And uh, uh, we're going up there. Actually, as soon as I finish this, we're jumping in the car and we're off. Uh, we're going up there today to look at the building and stuff. And then, um, and then the barbecue place, you know, if I stay away from the sauces, I'll be good as a diabetic. But anyway, so Jojo's barbecues. Uh, the the sources are going to be in Kroger, Dollar General, and Cracker Barrel. At some point, we hope that that deal is in the works. And then, um, and then I'm growing Trade Bank, so that's cool. So, anybody that wants to talk business, I'll get on a Zoom and talk business with them. Or if they want to buy me a coffee, we can go to Just Love Coffee. I love that place. By is that way. your
0: favorite coffee um, shop in Nashville?
1: So far, it's been so the far. most accommodating to my loudness and they ask me for a dad joke every time i go in so oh fun. perfect i have this little video name that, that that says ask me for a dad joke and so i've got a tiktok channel that i've got a, you know a couple of that are just over 1500 uh followers and i've done about mm, 369 uh, videos 369 now they're only one dad joke at a time but it's pretty fun you, you are want to hear my dad jokes for today? I do,
0: yes. You're an expert dad jokes, so and we, we must absolutely have one.
1: Did you hear about the old man that fell down the well?
0: I didn't. What happened?
1: He didn't see that well. <laughs> that works on two levels, right? <laughs> uh, oh, you, you ever raised chickens? Yes. Right? You ever raised chickens? Yeah. So what do you call a chicken coop? What do you call a chicken coop with four doors? <laughs> I don't know. A chicken sedan. <laughs> yeah. Do you hear about the Norwegian Navy? They're no. putting barcodes on all the warships. So when they come back into the Ford, they come back into port, they can Scandinavian. Scandinavian. <laughs> I had a lady tell me that, that she didn't understand what Scandinavian meant. I said, you know, scan. She goes, yeah, but how is that funny? I said, Scandinavia, Norway? She's like, she didn't get she, goes, it. Norway, she didn't know what Scandinavia was. I'm like, okay, I'm a ninth grade dropout here that started my first business at fifteen. You look like she's driving an escalade, she's well polished, she's got pearls. She's probably highly educated trophy wife, but she's probably gone to college, right, to find the husband. She's not dumb, she's not a blonde, she is brunette. And she didn't know what Scandinavia was. I said, Is it my accent? I said, Sweden. Denmark, I'm trying to think of all these countries. And now I'm coming up, you know, uh, uh, Norway, like, I don't know, is Luxembourg, I don't know. Anyway, so I'm trying to think of all these Finland, you know, I'm trying to think of all these uh, Scandinavian countries, Sweden. Um, and she didn't know what Scandinavia was. She goes, oh, they're, they're all European countries. So anyway, so that was almost funnier than the joke I told. But the joke is very funny. So So, uh, yeah, between telling dad jokes and talking about talking to people about starting businesses, I, I just love that entrepreneurial journey. And I want people to understand you can start a business with no money. You can start a business with no money. You can start a business with a little bit of money. You can start a business with a lot of money. How do you make a small fortune in the restaurant business? Start with a large one. Yeah. Restaurants are for everybody. They're not for me. Mm, I just want to right. be an investor in the restaurant and keep it simple, but you can lose your shirt in restaurants. Um, oh, yeah, so just understand that. Right. But if you, you know, if it's a thousand, so I always look at it this way and I alluded to this a little bit earlier. If you go to start a business, you're a photographer, right? Lucretia, mm-hmm. you, you, you write and you take photos. You have a certain, what costs you more being able to write or being able to take photos.
0: Initially take photos because you need the camera.
1: Right, because you can write on a notepad, right? You Mm -hmm. can get started. Now it's good to have a a notebook or whatever, but shoot, you can buy a, I bought a Chromebook on Amazon the other day for 88 bucks. And then I go into Google Drive and it's got this cool tool. So I've written two dad joke books that are on, uh, on Amazon or I've compiled two dad joke books. But I love the fact I can go into Google Drive, I can hit uh, voice recording on a document, and it'll just write what I say, and then I just go and edit it. So you don't need a lot of money to be a writer, right? You need some skills, but you don't need a lot of money. But to be a photographer, to be a good photographer, you could be the most skilled person in the world, but if you don't have a camera, now, I know some of us uh, think we're the best photographers ever with our iPhones and Androids. And the, and quite honestly, the lens on my Android is way better than my Pentax when 1000 from back in the day. Uh, yeah, but they've come my a long point way. is that it takes several, th- even, even the cost of the phone. Let's call mm-hmm. a phone $1,500. A camera is probably less than that for an immediate a portrait lens and a and a. And a, closer, and a regular 50 mil lens, you can probably get the whole kit for 800 bucks. But business, businesses that we want to start can be as minimum of the, as that or less, or they could take a lot more investment. But don't be afraid to get started. Try something out. And if you need any tips on how to start a business, folks, uh, without spending a lot of money, Google um, best cheap businesses to start. Great business ideas that don't cost you a lot of money. I mean, Google's your friend. It'll tell you a lot of stuff. And you can start businesses tomorrow. A lot of affiliate programs, you know. So I, I like talking to people that are interested in being entrepreneurs. And I like talking to people that have interesting stories.
0: Yeah, same. Absolutely. How do you stay so upbeat? Do you ever struggle with like feeling down or getting into a funk?
1: Oh, my. Do I? Do I? So the last three weeks, I have slept most of the last three weeks. Couldn't figure out why I had no energy and I thought, oh, maybe it's just depression. And I've dealt with depression since I was a kid. My grandparent, my grandmother and my mother both dealt strongly with depression and I take after them a lot. Uh, They both also had aortic aneurysms, which I also had. Um, And so dealing with depression, a lot of times you just gotta, when you finally drag your butt out of bed and you open up the window and you understand that sunlight helps just get out in the sun even if you don't feel like it the biggest thing for me and that's where i got into the dad jokes the biggest thing for me to help with depression is i started just reading joke books because somebody had told me they gave me a reader's digest and they opened it up to like laughter's the best medicine they're like oh how are you doing edward oh, i'm feeling down You're 14 years old. What do you got to feel down about? Well, I'm a fat kid at school. None of the girls like that's enough to feel bad about, isn't it? (laughs) You know, I get picked on at school because of my size. You know, that's why I left school and started a business. Those same girls that wouldn't talk to me would come in and try and buy cigarettes. Oh, Ed would hook us up. No, piss off. You know, and then they became friends because they finally I said, why did you pick on me at school? They're like, well, because uh, if we didn't pick on you, people would pick on us. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, so you understand everybody? Everybody's dealing with different things. And those folks that go through life without having downs or funks or depressions, more power to them. But that's not me. I, I, if you looked at if you looked at my chart, my chart is like this. <laughs> you know, it's just ups and downs, and ups and downs, and then rounds and rounds, and you know, you just it. it it is what it is. Everybody's journey is different. The struggles that you and I have are going to be different. Sometimes they might overlap. The struggles that other people have might be totally different. I remember the most gorgeous girl in school, and she came into my shop after I opened my shop, and I said, you're the most gorgeous girl in school, because she, she told me she wasn't happy in school. I said, why weren't you happy? She goes, I couldn't get a date. Nobody would date me. They were all afraid to talk to me. You know, then you talk to the kid with the glasses, you talk to the kid with the buck teeth, the kid with the pimples, the fat kid. We all had our own challenges, you know, and so you're all going to we're all going to deal with this. And for me, in my life, I have I'm married to the most wonderful wife in the world. I've, I've got a good support structure. I'm not a fan of pills. That doesn't mean that pills can't do the job. Right. But for me personally, we're just talking me personally. Uh, I've got kids. Some of those kids use medication to deal with the same things that I've dealt with without medication. Although Vegemite and uh, candy is kind of a medication. Who doesn't like a chocolate milkshake when you are feeling down? So maybe I was medicating my own way. Um, so for me, sometimes you just got to put a foot in front of the other. And there's those days that you have to lay down and pull up the covers and turn off the lights and lock the door and turn off the phone, and just be miserable if that's what you need to do just don't stay there too long right understand yeah you can wallow like I do for a day or two like the three weeks it turns out that my meds are off and once I got my meds fixed for my uh, blood pressure all my energy came back so sometimes make sure it's not a chemical imbalance that can be solved with another chemical Or, you know, I'm not a professional. and I didn't play one on TV. But I do deal with depression in my own way. And that's where I use humor. So humor for me is if you're feeling down, and and I get a bit self-conscious. Like if my wife's in the house, I probably don't do this. But if I'm feeling down, one of the great things I do is I just start laughing. But try and get a belly laugh going. (laughs) When I do that, even though I don't want to feel good, the hair stand up, the, the, the blood, key, I, I don't know. There's probably technical terms for that. But for me, that's one of the ways I combat um, the funk. And the funk happens often. You know what? It's just, uh, what is that? Hello, darkness, my old friend. I, I'm not a singer, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I think of that line that he's always on my shoulder. He's always on my shoulder saying, oh, let me in, let me in, let me in. You're not worthy, you know, the imposter syndrome, all of that sort of stuff. But if you're genuine, you're authentic. To me, authenticity is key. Um, I'm writing a book called Be Authentic Unless You're a Serial Killer. Then don't be that change. Because really, that title. (laughs) Thanks. It's meant to convey be authentic unless you're a jerk or an asshole. Don't be that change. Right. Because we can all be that. We can all be a jerk. But we we know you and I know sitting right here, whether we're serial killers or not. We know that. Right. So don't be that. Be be authentic, but change if you need to. And so people go, oh, if you can't accept me for the way I am. No, I'm talking about from a business perspective, you need to change. And if you're not going to change, then you're not going to get the customers you need to see. You're going to get a certain type of customer that puts up with your BS but you're not gonna get the other customers that refuse to put up with your BS. So the only one that can change that BS is you, right? So if you give bad customer service and you're snarky at the cash register and that drives away customers, then don't be a serial killer, change. Be authentic, be the best authentic person you can be and change the parts that don't work in the business. You don't have to be fake. And so that for me works in life because I find I come across as a genuine individual. But that takes work. To be genuine, to be vulnerable, to talk about the things. How many people go around talking about how wonderful their spouse is? That doesn't happen enough. They might think it, but then when they get in a group of people, they've got to tear them down. They've got to say bad things about them to be in the same company that says that sort of stuff. I refuse to do that. Married to the most wonderful wife in the world and that's trademark. And she is, I tell people, she's the second best thing that ever happened to me. Aww,
0: I love that. What's
1: the first? When I became a Christian, when I got oh. saved, which he had a lot to do with too, because I came over here not a Christian, um, so she had a part. You know, I, I I tell the story. God looked all over the world for somebody that would get me on the straight and narrow, and uh, He looked all over Australia, all over New Zealand, all over the uh, all the other places, and they found this little girl in Kansas that liked koalas, and she wanted to go to Australia. So He's like, "Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll bring those two together." and She's strong enough. She'll, she'll, she'll work him out. It's worked out pretty good for me.
0: That's awesome. I can't wait for your book. That's really exciting.
1: I'm so excited about it.
0: You need to keep me posted on that because uh, I'll definitely be getting myself a couple of copies. You have a yeah. lot of podcasts. How many podcasts do you have? How <laughs> have you started deciding to start them? And what are they all? And I don't even know how you keep up with them. I was trying to listen to them all. And I'm like, ah, there's a lot of content here. I'm really impressed.
1: Yeah, so most podcasts only get to seven episodes is what I was told. And I said, well, I'm not gonna get to seven episodes. But it seems like anything I do with a co-host we're only about 10 episodes, anything I do myself. I, I like Nashville, too. I think I'm at 30 episodes, maybe, and I'm doing video and audio. Um, it, it, it only happens because of a team. I started doing it myself and then I was able to use some barter dollars to get somebody to edit them for me, but they weren't editing the way, you know, I it didn't have my flavor. They kept cutting out stuff where I stuffed up, where I made mistakes. Well, I wanted to show people authentic. You know, they weren't bad mistakes. I wasn't dropping F bombs or stuff, you know, whatever. But um but I was being authentic. And um and so I I then my daughter said, Hey Dad, I'll help you if you'll pay me some cash and some trade dollars. I said, Okay, great. So she's helping me with Nashville 2. So I've got I started Nashville 2, Nashville2.com is your Nashville 2, let's tell your story. So so I wanted a way that I could meet interesting people in Nashville. And then have them come on to Zoom uh, during COVID and tell their story. And then we put it out as a podcast. And if I could promote them, then I am doing what my goal is, which is adding value to them. Right? So I've had some great guests on. Um, Craig Alexander, who did the the uh, uh, Ghost Town of Broadway during COVID, where he gets a picture of Broadway with nothing on it. Um, so I had Craig Alexander come on. And he was a fantabulous guest. He was fantastic. In fact, every guest I've had on has had some interesting information. Michael Murrow, a uh, guy that de- teaches credit restoration, was excellent. Uh, Bob, uh, Bob, uh, I can't think of his last name. He's a county commissioner now in, in the Franklin area. Ravner, I think. I'm, uh, Dean Wegner that owns Authentically American USA Made Apparel, right here in franklin tennessee he was great um up style marie quinn she was fan she was fantastic so uh Janet truman from svo anyway sorry i could just reel off the list but every one of them has been interesting all in industries i don't know anything about so i started nashville too that's going well and that's really they come on they talk about their business Uh, what they love about the Nashville area, if they were born and raised here or if they moved here. And then they have three hidden gems, three things they love about the area. Because we get a lot of listeners outside because I have a lot of contacts across the country and across the world. And then we get a lot of listeners locally because of SEO and stuff. So that's Nashville too. Um, So what I did is I blocked out Tuesday to record my podcast. So Tuesday I have 10, 10.30, 11, 11.30, uh, 12, 12.30, 1, 1.30. And so I have five different podcasts Nashville2.com, um, Bada Bing, Bada Boom, where we interview trade bank members to talk about their experience doing Bada. Uh, I was watching Sopranos and he goes, Bada Bing, Bada Boom. And I'm like, oh, Bada Bing, Bada Boom. That'll work. Uh, with my co host Lisa out of the Huntsville Trade Bank. Uh, I have The Wake Up Call with Ed and Paul, guy I met on a mastermind group, uh, insurance guy for 40 years out in new york him and i uh just rag on each other and have a guest occasionally interject with some information uh that's kind of fun um what else i'm forgetting oh wichita wow is one that i haven't started but we it's going to be the same way as nashville because i had 30 years in wichita a lot of my wichita friends are like i want to be on your podcast can't i do the wichita pod why don't you have a wichita don't you love wichita so i do love wichita It is a hidden gem in and of itself in the prairies of Kansas. I say Wichita, people go, Wichita Falls? No, not Texas. Wichita, Kansas. It's a great little town. It's about half a million people, and it's three hours from Kansas City, three hours from Oklahoma City, eight hours from Denver. So we're going to do stories on that. And then I have The Edward Show, and The Edward Show is a global podcast. Anybody that interests me that's outside of those other areas, I'll have on The Edward Show.
0: I love it. That's that sounds amazing. like a lot. It does sound it's like a lot. lot. It, it is. It is. Weird. No wonder you do it all in one day, because otherwise it would be impossible to get done. Just
1: from, yeah, just from guest to guest to guest, and my editing stays minimal, and I use a great platform to just upload video and audio, and I put it all on YouTube as well. So
0: Nice. That's awesome. Why do you think you're so inspired by business? You've been very successful throughout your entire life. Do you think it comes down to the people or, or what's, the, what's the magic potion here?
1: Well, I would argue if you know a good photographer, you and I have talked about this before. One of the things that makes a great photographer is the ability to throw away the trash, right? Whereas grandma snaps a shot with a finger over the lens or out of focus, she wants to keep that because, oh, that's little Johnny. You can just make him out in the background, you know. Whereas those of us that have taken uh, photos professionally or put a lot of effort into our photos, um, our best job is as an editor. You take 100 photos, 94 of them never see the light of day, right? Because now you've just got the best. Well, I've had my failures as well. But I've always told my kids, um, make a decision and make it right. So if you make a decision and you run towards that decision at 100 miles an hour and you find out some more information, you can start to change direction because you're moving fast enough to make it happen. If you are sitting on your stool still waiting for inspiration or still waiting for the fear to go away to get started on something, you're never going to find that additional information. So we make mistakes all the time. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. It's how you get educated. Just don't make mistakes that can kill you. Right? Right. <laughs> um, what, what's the old thing? Uh, don't fail at skydiving. There's a there's a way that's said, and I can't remember the way it's said. You know. Uh, <laughs> if you uh, if you uh, something about if you if you if you uh, if your chute doesn't open, or I don't know what, you know what I'm saying is, is, um, you know, there's some things you stay away from, but don't, if it's not gonna kill you, you know, I'm not saying grab a hold of live wires and put them in your mouth, right? I'm not saying do that. I'm saying, you know, hey, learn how to do a class on how to do basic home repair. Don't be afraid to tackle it, right? Don't be afraid to try something new. And, uh, and so for me, what inspired me is my grandmother was one of the top 10 Tupperware dealers in Australia. We're not talking about this little Tupperware lady that goes out and does a Tupperware party and sells, you know, $50 worth of stuff. This is a lady that had five acres, four garages, full of Tupperware, had hundreds of people in their Tupperware dealership and was one of the top 10 Tupperware dealers in Australia in the 70s. And I said, when I grow up, I want to be a business owner like you, Nan. Every aunt and uncle from her and grandpa, my uncle John, my uncle Paul, my aunt Judy, my aunt Lindy, my, who am I forgetting? If I miss any, I'm in trouble. My mom, um, uh, Paul, John, Judy. Anyway, they all had businesses. Oh, and then on my dad's side, he was one of six, uh, they all had businesses. And so everywhere I went was a person running a business. Now, it might have been a side business or it might have been my favorite business of all time. uh, used bookstore, but you could probably put that together with my love of books already. Never make any money. Because you barter, right? You'll trade. Like, you bring in your old books, you trade them, plus you give me 10 cents on every book you want to take out, you know. So we would get lots and lots of books. And I would love to just sit there and read the books, right? Because I, I couldn't afford American comics, but I could read them. always wanted, like, the Battlestar Galactica helmet and the jacket in the back of the 70s comics and the footlocker full of army men for a $1.99, uh, you know. The submarine. I wanted a submarine. There's a cardboard submarine I find out years later. It wouldn't have lasted well. But so so I like the idea of these starting businesses and building businesses. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm off on fifty-seven different tangents, as you can see. How do I keep it all together? People go, how do you keep all the plates in the air? You don't. You spin the plates that are important to you, the ones that can be packed up and put away for a while. You take the plate down, you lay the rod down, you lay the plate down, you work on the ones, you focus where you need to focus. Sometimes it's family, sometimes it's business, sometimes it's health, right? You focus where you need to focus, but don't be afraid to spin an extra plate. What's the worst that can happen? It falls, it breaks. You go to Dollar Tree, you buy another one. Buck 25 these days, you know? So don't be afraid to spin plates. Not all of them are going to survive. Not all of them are going to grow. But don't be timid. If it costs you virtually nothing to start the business, uh, you know, if you can throw a hundred dollars at it and help a friend start a business, and they lose that hundred dollars, if that's going to really, really hurt you, then don't give them the hundred dollars. So for me, I've had levels where giving somebody ten bucks would have killed me, like I didn't have ten bucks, right? And then over. Over the years, I've had times where I could give him a thousand dollars. I gave this kid a1,000 dollars for a video camera. He wanted to start blogging and stuff before it was really a vlogging before it was really a thing. Uh, three years later, I say, "Hey, am I ever going to get my thousand bucks back?" Oh, I had to sell the camera to fix my car.: Well, yeah, but how does oh, that no. How does that affect not me not getting my thousand bucks back? Oh well, I don't have the camera anymore. Although I gave you a thousand dollars to buy the camera it's still given $1,000 just because you don't have the camera. So, you know, sometimes you give money away uh, for to build an investment and it doesn't work out. So that's one of those that didn't work out. I gave another kid $300 and that's turned into like $15,000 in revenue so far. So, you know, it's not a lot of money, but it's kind of cool, you know. Uh, so businesses that you can start and helping people out, if you've got to put 100000 into it and that's going to hurt you, then don't do it. If you can put 100000 into it and it really is a drop in the bucket for your level, then help someone out and start a business. Buy a, who knows? Who knows what that's gonna turn into, right? If that's an opportunity to build a billion dollar business for $100,000, you're gonna be happy. If you got a, an opportunity to build a $50,000 business for a $1,000, you're gonna be happy. So, so that for me, I, I love the I love that whole entrepreneurial family that I grew up in. The one, the people that amaze me most are people that didn't grow up in an entrepreneurial family that start a business. They just astound me. I wanna to talk to them all day long about how did you go from being an academic or a person that grew up with, with parents that taught to wanting to start your own business? You know that book, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki? Are you mm-hmm. familiar with that? Yeah, I've read one it a couple of times. Right. Yeah. It'll change your life or at least make you think about things differently. You might not even agree with him. Um, You know, is the house an asset or a liability? It's definitely a liability, but other people think otherwise. So, um, so that I, I, did I answer your question?
0: You did. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So I love talking to you. You have, you're just so much information and you're just so motivational and, and uplifting and and real you're very very real and authentic and i cannot wait for this book seriously keep me posted if you need okay. a six podcast added to your very busy to-do list let me know <laughs> so oh, people, i know i'm saying i'm just saying we could have a lot of fun doing one if someone is listening and they're like, man, this trade bank, I need to know more about it, um, or they want to find out about your podcast, like where can they find out, find you and how can they like sign up and just get more information?
1: If they're familiar with Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R. E-E uh forward slash Aussie Fox, and that's A-U-S-S-I-E-F-O-X. But quite honestly, if you put Edward Fox, Nashville, Edward Fox, Cricket, um, Edward Fox TikTok uh E D W A R D F O X or Ed Fox TikTok uh, I'm all over LinkedIn, Facebook, all the all the platforms, all the all the interwebs, you know, you can find me. Um and if not they can reach out to you and you can feel free to give anybody my phone number. Even telemarketers. Give folks, if you've got my phone number and you're listening to this, give it to telemarketers. I love talking to telemarketers. It's the best thing ever. You should try it, Lucretia. It's fun. You just go, oh, yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get them all excited and say, okay, I'm a barter company. How do we make that happen? How do we barter? And they're like, what? I've not got one converted yet, but, you know, one day.
0: <laughs> one day. You never know. You never know. That's right. Well, I know you have a road trip ahead of you. I can't wait to try that barbecue place we talked about. And if I'm ever going through that area of Ohio, I'm going to be swinging into that ice cream shop. I just appreciate you so much. And I appreciate how willing you are to take your risk and encourage others to pursue that risk. Because you, it could lead to an amazing life.
1: Well, exactly. And Alice took a risk on me. Who knew? She looked at this guy, this scruffy little guy, and said, oh, yeah, I'll spend the rest of my life with him. So she took a risk on me. So, yeah, take a risk, people. Take a risk today. Go out and meet someone new. Send somebody a half birthday card wishing them a happy half birthday. Don't do that every day.
0: Nope.
1: Thanks, Lucretia. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. I appreciate it.
0: Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's it with Ed Fox, the Trade Bank. Next week, we talk with health coach Tanner Scott. And the crazy thing looking back now is this doctor didn't say, hey, let's figure out what's causing this inflammation and fix that. He just said, hey, here's a pill. Take these steroids for a week. And then after that, take one of these pills every day. It should handle everything. And so I did that. And six months later, I was still having issues. And so that was kind of the point where I was like, I need to reevaluate things. I need to figure out what is going on here because I was 28 years old, something like that at the time. I was like, I just cannot imagine living my life in this state for forever. Like, I shouldn't be feeling this way as a 28 year old because I wasn't able to do anything active. I was
1: suddenly like on the.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to Journey to the Rise. Please do follow us on your podcast app so you have the latest episode downloaded. If you want to follow us on Instagram, our account is at Journey to the Rise Podcast. This episode was researched, produced, and edited by Girl Boss Productions. I'm Lucretia, and you've been listening to Journey to the Rise.